Tonight, the Scranton Business Park is having casino night, and we are converting our warehouse into a full-blown gambling hall. And I know it's illegal in Pennsylvania, but uh, it's for charity. Thursday, October 22, 2020. This is The Better Life. I am your host, Timothy Lawson. Living the better life means getting excited when you see gambling and casinos depicted in your favorite television show or movie, especially when that particular uh, series or film does not have anything to do with gambling or casinos. Uh, it's extra fun as a better to see those scenes. That is what today's episode is about. Before we get to that... Um, Wanted to quickly touch on baseball props. Now, this is only useful for, I don't know, maybe like three more games <laughs> or something like that, especially by the time some of you uh, hear this game three will over, over, already wrapped up. But uh, I realized something, an aspect of betting baseball that has never been brought up, uh, I think, on this show yet. But uh, when you there are player props in baseball uh, where you can bet the total bases achieved by a particular player, or you can uh, bet one player over another for total bases achieved. And the reason why I think it's still valuable to bring this up now, even though the baseball season is uh, just a few games away from being over, it, the, 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 the value here, the, the real takeaway, if you will, is if you don't understand a prop or you're not quite sure how a prop is measured, make sure to check your book's rules. This is important. Um, this is something that uh, before I bet it each season, I make sure I check out the rules uh, for the book that I'm using to make sure that the way that I understand it is, in fact, the way that uh, the, the uh, wager is graded. So if you are betting a uh, – let's take an example. Uh, I took over one and a half bases for – uh, Turner in game two, Turner, uh, uh, play, uh, third baseman, I believe, for the Dodgers, took him over one and a half bases. I got him at plus money, like plus 130 or something like that, plus 120. What I'm betting on is not how many bases necessarily that Turner hit uh, gets to, but I am. it's how many bases are achieved by the um, ball batted into play by that player. So essentially... Um, a, a, you know, a hit is one base, a double is two bases, a triple is three bases, a home run would be four bases. Uh, it doesn't matter if they walk, that's not a base. If they steal, that's not a base. If they list just about any other, uh, I'm pretty sure, really, any other way that the one could achieve a base or uh, get to another base, those don't count here. It is uh, solely... How many bases does the player get uh, from a ball they batted into play uh, while they were at bat? Uh, fortunately, that cast for me last night, uh, late in the late in the game, Turner ended up getting a double, so that's two bases. I had over one and a half. That cashes. Um, the uh, where this loses quickly is when you take the under, and this happened to me uh, the other uh, the other night. Uh, I can't remember who I took. Took someone. Uh, on game one, and uh, it was <laughs> they they were walking, and and here's here's the great part is when you know that there's a player that is going that has a high on base percentage, but maybe that's through walks and um more often than not because uh, maybe the maybe they're pitching around that uh, individual or whatever it may be, um you know you the 
The player can definitely be someone who gets on the base plenty while still going under their under. Uh, it's usually a, a half a base or a base and a half, right? It's, it's either half or one and a half. It's never. I've never really seen it be one. I've never. I've definitely never seen it be two. Um, maybe it is for 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 certain players, but uh, yeah, I I had the under. I think one and a half, and uh, that batter uh, after hitting nothing throughout the game, uh, cranked a home run. Maybe that wasn't. That may have actually been through the NCLS. That wasn't. Uh, that wasn't World Series. That was a uh, late um, pennant race. But uh, nevertheless, that is betting on baseball player props of total bases uh i think that there is uh some value to be had there especially with the with a team like the dodgers uh that can uh get uh get their bats on uh on pitches and uh the rays are you know uh rays are probably undervalued here too because their bats have been kind of quiet uh throughout the postseason so uh they definitely have capable batters so especially like with brandon Lowe and some other players like that that have been in a slump uh there's definitely opportunities to uh uh to bet player props there okay so on to today's show this is about watching TV, watching movies, finding gambling and uh, casino-related scenes, and discussing them. My guest co-host for not only this episode, but uh, future installments is Mark Duvall from You Can Bet on That. That probably doesn't come as much of a surprise to people who are familiar with him. Uh, who He enjoys uh, TV and movies probably more than I do. So uh, when I had the idea of doing this, he was the first person I brought uh, that came to mind, and I'm very thankful that he uh, agreed to come on we had a great conversation touching on these things we we go over some uh some material from rick and morty and from the office that is what we're going to uh touch on today a couple things regarding this though um if you follow me on instagram uh at the better life on instagram um that's where i'll post uh i'll probably tweet it out too maybe but uh, that is definitely where I'll post via Instagram stories uh, what we're going to be watching or, or discussing. Really, we're not watching in real time. What we'll be discussing on an episode uh, up upcoming. And if you follow me already, you probably saw uh, a few days ago I mentioned that I was watching uh, episode 22 of the second season of The Office, which is Casino Night, which is what we're discussing here. Uh, and part of that was to sort of signal what we're going to discuss here tonight. I'm going to, I'll continue to do that as I find uh, scenes or references that I think we're going to touch on here. I'll throw them up in there. So if you want to, if you want to watch for your own reference or familiarity, uh, you're welcome to do that. So without further ado, let's get to it. Sitting across from me virtually from You Can Bet On That, Mr. Mark Duvall. Sir, how are you? Yeah, doing very well. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for letting me be on the show. I'm a little angry that Adam got to be on first, but whatever. <laughs> well, um, our even though I even though I waited till the last minute to prepare you, our uh, this this uh, took a little bit more preparation. Uh, Takes if you will. way more preparation. He just shows up and spouts off. It's true. This, you know, we did a lot of research on this. So. Yeah, he couldn't even. He could. He was like, "Yeah, I'm doing staycations in Chicago." I was like, "Oh, tell me about Chicago." He's like, "I can't." Like, I, yeah, I and don't, he I says, don't. "Oh, oh boy, I hate Wrigley Field. Oh, <laughs> I hate Wrigley Field. What? Who hates Wrigley Field? <laughs> what a what a selling point for your city. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, you know one of the one of those popular sporting venues in America. Don't like That's it. Right. <laughs> 
uh no that uh that episode was fun i'm looking forward to uh recording again with uh with adam uh this um this series is based on where this concept uh was uh founded was two things one i've been listening to a lot of rewatch podcasts right now Mm -hmm, uh so fake doctors real friends for scrubs office ladies for the office uh i've even gone back uh, it's an older podcast but i've even gone back and started listening to uh remember my name which was the breaking bad podcast that they were doing in real time when the show Mm -hmm. was coming out um and it's made me really appreciate writing and television and that stuff and that married with the fact that i just love uh reference like i love finding a gambling or casino scene in a show or a movie that isn't inherently about that right uh and uh i mentioned you know i told you before we hit record you and Dr. Mike often will, like you did, uh, what, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I think, was a recent one you, you yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah, As we'll put little scenes in, just, you know, hey, here's a gambling scene in a TV or TV show or a movie that, you know, maybe you're not familiar with, maybe you are, but, you know, it kind of gives us a chuckle or it's interesting, yeah. Yeah. Um, so with those two, I was like, let's, I, I kind of want to do this on a regular basis, uh, but I, I don't, rather than trying to figure out when to include, I just like, we'll just make this a monthly deal. Let's see, see how that works. That sounds good. I mean, there's certainly a lot of material out there. Yes. You know, how many times we can say, oh yeah, the chips were on the wrong part of the craps table. Uh, you know, I don't know, but we'll see as we move <laughs> forward. <laughs> uh, yes, we, we will see as we, like I, like I told Adam with the series him and I are doing, this is this is a real time beta test. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see how this goes. Um, to sort of set the scene a little bit, uh, in how both you and I view, uh, you like how, you like that play on words, uh, um, yeah. on how we view these things. Let's start with gambling tropes that we see uh, on screen that we both like and dislike. Um, I'll, I'll give you the, the first crack at this. You can choose either, uh, either side of that to answer that question. Okay, well, l- let me start with something that I don't like, and it's pretty common on shows, and that is when people get together to play poker. Hmm. There are two things that generally bother me. Number one is often you will hear people, somebody will make a bet, and then another player will say, I'll see your $50 yeah. and I'll raise you $500. String bet. Well, that, that's what they call a string bet. And it's not allowed in poker. You have to just say you're raising or here's my raise. And the reason that it's not allowed is because when I, I'll see your $50, then you can maybe get a reaction from the person whose bet you're calling. And then maybe you will raise or maybe you won't based on you know the reaction that you see so it could be i'll raise i'll I'll see your 50 dollars, and then you look and if the guy's real confident it's like oh no more yeah but if he looks scared then then i'll raise so that's not allowed but i will give shows some credit because that does happen in home games it's not like every home game (laughs) in the world knows that that's not allowed i'm sure that happens all the time in, in real home games yeah so Bothers me a little, but, uh, you know, I'll cut him some slack. But the thing that really bothers me... Oh, goodness. ...is is that typically (laughs) poker on TV, they're not playing with table stakes. And what I mean by that is they're playing some kind of no-limit game, and then suddenly some guy will say, well, I'll tell you what, I'll bet my car, and he takes his keys out and throws it into the pot. 
And then the other guy will say, well, I can't cover that. Well, you know, if, if that's how poker were played, you could just be a millionaire, yeah. right? Play with a bunch of guys who aren't millionaires. And whenever it comes around to you, you say, you just take a million dollars out of your pocket and say, I'll raise you a million dollars. And then the other person can't cover it and they're out. That really is not how you play poker. You can only lose what you have out on the table. So somebody can't raise you above what you currently have. And right. so that you see all the time. People are losing their businesses or their cars. And I realize, you know, a lot of time it's for dramatic effect or comedic effect, but that's not poker. I will. Okay. So I will see your, uh, I'll see your disliked uh, trope uh-huh. and, uh, and I will put up when in, in movies that, uh, that touch on advantage gambling, uh, 21, two for the money, where, where uh, at least one character has an advantage in some way. And when the person is getting emotional, they immediately start losing. Like, okay. mm-hmm. right. So in, uh, in 21, he starts like chasing his losses and he just keeps on losing, losing, mm-hmm. losing, losing. Uh, Matthew McConaughey in two for the money uh, kind of gets lost. Like it's arrogant and just starts going like losing, losing, yeah. losing. Like I, I, it's necessary for the plot line. Uh, right. but it is unrealistic to assume like it just bothers me uh, as, as as someone who has aggressively chased losses before <laughs> and lucked out I know that positive variance is very possible <laughs> so, uh, so you'd like to see a case where somebody really gets emotionally worked up <laughs> is very upset makes a huge bet that you know is really ill-advised and wins um I think it would be an interesting. I should write that. Should be a scene in the uh, audio show that I'm trying to uh, trying to oh, write. All right. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, more on that later. But um, again, I understand. It's like it doesn't make me angry so much where I'm like I scoff at the television. Like oh, here's this again. Uh-huh. But like it kind of makes me roll my eyes. I've been like, okay, like that's like that's not how it actually works. But okay, it's a plot device. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I don't know if this is like a trope or a peeve or whatever, but uh, on the on the other dislike side, I almost always enjoy crap scenes, even if they're not accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes a particularly clever blackjack scene for me to enjoy a blackjack scene. <laughs> yeah, it's getting getting back to Adam, right? You know how he doesn't like blackjack, right? Yeah, I can I can understand where he's coming from. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's a good, well, I kind of agree with you because you don't see craps as often yes. on TV. You certainly see blackjack a lot more. Um, yeah, I'll go along with that as well. Yeah. So like, you know, um, good example, uh, of blackjack, you know, there's the last Vegas, uh, right. Where it was, mm-hmm. was that when the old guys went to Vegas, right. right? And mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman, uh, <laughs> they, they call they call attention and like, they're worried he's like lost his ass and he's actually like a whole bunch, right? Like yeah. I thought that was right, kind of right. clever, right? Like that's, that that's is a, nice. Yeah. It's a fun way to do blackjack. Uh, when it's just guys settling up at a blackjack table and going to, I'm just like, ah, okay, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, so what's something that you enjoy then that you typically would see, uh, a trope or otherwise? Uh, anytime a show or a movie goes to Las Vegas, you know, I'll tell you, especially with sitcoms, if a sitcom is on long enough, eventually the characters are going to go to Las Vegas. It's so true. And 
I kind of get a kick when things don't go very well for them in Las Vegas, um, a la maybe the hangover, something like that. But uh, just, you know, anytime they end up going, I usually enjoy that. There was a great, um, look, LA to Vegas did not uh, last very long. Um, no. I, I did not dislike it as much as most people did. But there, the one episode that I truly enjoyed was when like the pilot stuck around the play craps and he was just like, yes. he was like on like an eight hour winning, winning fender. Um, it's things like that, that, uh, it's kind of the same thing. I think anything that has to, um, do with a heater, I actually kind of enjoy like when yeah, someone, yeah, is like, yeah, right. yeah. I, you know, I think that if LA to Vegas had get, been given more time, uh, it would have really shown how wacky it was because it was starting to get like surrealistically wacky. Like I think there was one episode where like the pilot lived in this community in the parking lot of the <laughs> airport, right? You know, it's yeah. just out of nowhere. And there was this whole community and they all, hey, how's it going? So it was getting a little wackier and surrealistic and I, given a little more time, it might have improved. I, I enjoyed watching it, heck. Yeah, I, 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 same thing. I, I watched every episode knowing darn well, like, the, I was like, this isn't a good show. No, uh, like, I'm kind of new from the beginning. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm not going to, there's no way I'm recommending this to anybody, but I found enough no. of it uh, funny and entertaining. And there was just enough ca- uh, gambling and casino references for me to enjoy. Uh, yes. And yeah. wasn't one of the main characters too, the, the guy who always went on the flight, wasn't he a dentist? I think that came out in like a middle episode. So yeah. we're thinking, okay, there you go. Dentist, Dr. Mike. Perfect. <laughs> little, little does Dr. Mike know he, he's actually owed some royalties uh, for, <laughs> for, <laughs> yeah. for character concept. Uh, <laughs> that'd be funny if someone was, uh, someone what just happened to be at uh, Harris Rincon and was like, Hey, you know what? You know what a good character for our next show is that, <laughs> yeah, that, really? that guy right there in the Superman t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I heard he's a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh man. Okay. So, um, I was trying to figure out like what's the best way to approach this as in uh, what shows do we do what movies are like and then I was like you know what I'm just going to start where with what I like and we'll just start from there. Okay. Uh, some of my favorite shows uh, of all time are Community, Rick and Morty, and The Office. There are three of if I had to make a top five uh, they're probably going to make it in that top five just about every time I make that list. Um, right. And pr- probably not a coincidence that Dan Harmon it was the creator of community and the co-creator of Rick and Morty. So certainly some humor overlaps there. Yes. Uh, I often tell my friends who are also big community fans, when we mourn the fact that community had to end, I was like, community had to end. So Rick and Morty could begin. That's my, <laughs> yeah. that, um, I, I almost hit play on episode one, season one of community to see where I could find a gambling reference. And then I realized, you know, I've seen enough of this show to know it may take me seasons to find a gambling yeah. reference. So uh, I actually have the line set at two and a half true gambling or casino references in the six seasons of community. So uh, it may take a while. So I've put that, I've put community on the back burner because uh, it may take me a while to get through all that. Rick and Morty, I know has a handful of scenes through its four seasons. Two of them are found here in season one. 
the first being in episode two called Lawnmower Dog. Now, for those of you uh, that are maybe unfamiliar with Rick and Morty, it is uh, loosely, very loosely based off of Doc and Marty. Uh, very loosely. Very loosely. Warning to everyone, if you go back and find the original Rick and Morty cartoon, uh, you're in for a bit of a shock. Yes. I would recommend actually not searching for it. I agree. Um, <laughs> I am a huge Rick and Morty fan. I never tell people to go find that. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but Rick and Morty, uh, we'll see how the series ends, but it is currently the favorite to possibly be my favorite, all uh, my all-time favorite show uh, that is hit uh, airwaves. If you have not watched it and you enjoy adult cartoons, uh, it is funny, it is clever, uh, and in the times where it gets emotional, is really good at being emotional. So uh, I thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, episode two, Lawnmower Dog, is a is a episode where. Uh, the, the, Jerry uh, is upset that the dog pees on the carpet, wants the dog to be smarter. Rick puts a helmet. Uh, Rick, who's the, the, the grandpa, the smart genius scientist, smartest guy in the universe, puts a helmet on the dog that makes the dog smarter. The dog then figures out through its uh, uh, higher IQ that there's only one battery in the helmet when there's uh five slots for batteries so he <laughs> uh he puts the rest of the batteries in and then he becomes just this this uh he creates his own mech uh he gets a bunch of other dogs and they begin taking over uh the world yes in this montage of what it looks like where when the dogs finally rule earth uh there's two quick scenes and i'm not going to play it here because there's no dialogue it's just a just a montage with, yeah. some, with some music here but um the dog, uh, it quickly, it shows humans racing at a dog track and the dogs watching. And then it shows the, uh, and then it goes to show the famous uh, dogs playing poker scene only on the wall and behind them playing poker is art of humans playing poker. <laughs> like you would see in a card room of dogs playing poker. So I thought that was a nice, nice touch. Um, what I liked, uh, what I what I liked about this um, this scene is in the do uh, when the dogs are watching the humans at the at the track, uh, there is a cheeseburger that is on the rail to get yep. the to get to motivate the mechanical cheeseburger. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> I Instead laugh. of a rabbit, it's a mechanical cheeseburger. I la you know what? And I hadn't realized that. I never noticed that until I went back to watch it specifically for this. Yeah. And it was like, what? What did it, like? I've watched. I've watched Rick and Morty probably twenty times all the way through. I, it's amazing now that now that I'm specifically looking at these scenes to like have things to say. I'm like, oh, there's something that I haven't seen twenty times before. There's a cheeseburger <laughs> uh, for the, and then uh, of course it it uh, it shows the dogs in the stands. One of them's ripping up a lost ticket, uh, which I think is is uh, is a great. Now here's something that I. Um, you, I don't know if you've got a chance to listen to the most recent episode that I had with Bradley Porras, but yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, so we talked a little bit about. Well, I talked a little about. He clearly, uh, <laughs> I, he, I talked a little bit about tracks. <laughs> I think he was caught off guard by that conversation at the beginning. <laughs> but after having that conversation and then seeing this scene, it made me think: like, how much longer is the racetrack? Uh, scene going to be a viable scene in gambling lore? Yeah. 
That is a good question. I think from a dog racing standpoint, uh, not very much longer. <laughs> it is definitely disappearing, at least from the United States. Yeah. Horse racing, you know, yeah, we keep talking about its demise, but I still think that's uh, a long ways off. Uh, and certainly to, uh, we're not going to get to the point where, you know, the young people have no idea what horse racing is. Right, right. I don't think we're going to get to that point for a very long time. Yeah. But I think you're right on the dog racing. I think you try to, I think even three, four, five years down the road from here, maybe you don't even bother making that joke. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the second, uh, I, I guess second two a and two B in Rick and Morty gambling references in season one, episode five, me seeks and destroy uh, a classic episode. Classic. Uh, where, uh, where, Rick uh, gives the family a box where they hit they hit the button on the box. A, a, a being appears and the being does whatever task necessary uh, to, to uh, before uh, just evaporate. So they're like, clean this and they clean it and they, and they disappear. They basically well, die. They basically I die. I think they even kind of mention that, that yeah. that's their life. Yeah. That- uh, you know, maybe it's 20 minutes. They're created, and then once the task is over, they die. Exactly. The the other st- – so I guess that's technically the I, – I have a hard time – I had a hard time figuring out if that was the A story or the B story because both stories are pretty, pretty prominent. Yeah, you know, I guess in retrospect, it's got to be the A story because everybody remembers Mr. Meeseeks. That's right? a good point. And they may not even remember what goes on yes. with Rick and Morty in the episode. Yes. So um, the – uh, so at the top of the episode, the beginning, I guess, of what is then the B story is uh, Rick and Morty are arguing about adventures. Morty wants to lead an adventure, and they essentially make a wager on a Morty-led adventure that if it sucks, uh, he no longer gets to uh, uh, lead adventures. If it, if it turns out okay, he gets to lead every 10th adventure moving forward. Right, and if, if he loses, he can't complain either. That, I exactly. think that was also, That's right. yeah, yeah. That's right. right. Um, so that leads to the adventure that they go on. They go on uh, what, what I think is kind of a typical fantasy adventure. There's giants and villages and stuff like this. And they find themselves in this little tavern in the side of a staircase uh, coming down from court because they uh, were going to get, uh, they almost got charged with murder of a giant. And uh, they find themselves in this tavern. Rick is complaining about being on this adventure like the whole time. He's just, he's poo-pooing this adventure the whole time. Finally, uh, at minute 1550, uh, Rick is playing uh, poker with some zany characters of Stair Tavern, like some Stair-looking people and some other uh, weird-looking creatures. And he seems to win a hand with a straight. Uh, I think it's funny. They're like, they're like, what do you got, Rick? And he just like puts his hands down and just collects the money. Like there's no like, there, there's no right. question that he won. Like no one's going to like check his hand. He's like, clearly I won. Now give me the right. money. Right. And is it even poker? I mean, you know, yeah. it kind of looks like poker. That's there a great chips, point. There are yeah. cards. <laughs> Uh, what I think is funny is, is Rick has griped about the adventure this whole way through the episode, and it seems that he's finally having fun now that he's playing poker. I, I, I kind of appreciated that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Morty, when he comes out to uh, – he comes over to uh, get Rick to leave, Morty is shaken from an experience that he had with uh, another creature in the bathroom, and it's just as creepy as it sounds. And yes. uh, um, 
Rick wants to stay because he's on fire, which I yes. loved that line. I was like, that, it's, it's that line, like, everybody gets that line, but only betters can resonate with that line, right? Like, it's clearly, I don't want to go anywhere. I'm on fire. I'm on like, fire. The last thing I'm considering is leaving. I don't care what the other option is. <laughs> leaving is the only thing I'm not doing right now. <laughs> I, I don't care what happened to you in the bathroom yeah, right. or the guy that came out of the bathroom after you and the way he looks. Yeah. I'm on a heater. Exactly. Uh, it, made me, it made me think of uh, Dr. Mike's vow to wet himself if you're ever in that situation at the craps table <laughs> if he's on a heater. <laughs> it's just like, I don't care what the other option is. I'm staying. That's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So uh, those are the only two gambling references in season one of Rick and Morty. I, I can think off the top of my head at least two other references uh, over the next couple seasons. I don't think there was any in the fourth season. Uh, so it should be uh, probably the next time we do this, we'll probably cover the rest of the references to the rest of the series because uh, I have no problem with watching all the episodes of Rick and Morty again. <laughs> Very good. Um, but it's a, it's a, do you enjoy Rick and Morty? Do you recommend oh, it to yeah. people? Oh, I, absolutely. And, you know, we were watching an episode, my son and I, from this last season that was just so meta and it just kept piling on top of itself and it was getting so complicated. I actually turned to my son and said, how is this show so popular? And what I was getting at was I, I can't see everybody really appreciating all of Rick and Morty and all the nuances and, and how yeah. it just has these references that, no, you know, not everyone can get. And he looked at me and he said, well, there's something there for everybody. And I think that's what it's come down to. And, and, and maybe there wasn't something there for everybody in community, even though the yeah. humor's kind of the same. And I love that show as well. With Rick and Morty, there's something that everybody can enjoy on it. So, yeah. Um, if, if you've not seen the show and are somehow, uh, if your curiosity's peaked, uh, Rick and Morty's not a show that you have to go to the very beginning to, to enjoy. If you you no. can pull up one episode to kind of see if this is your deal. Um, and if you were to do that, I would recommend season four, episode eight. It's called the Vat of Acid episode. It is uh, arguably the best episode of the most recent season, and it just won an Emmy. So, okay. uh, yeah, so it was, it was really well, it was a re it's a really good episode. Uh, and so, uh, uh, I, I know no one, I know no one's tuning in to hear my recommendations on uh, Rick and Morty, but uh, it is my favorite show. So I'm going to, I'm going to give it that rec that stamp of approval. And if you've never seen it, uh, just give that episode a shot. That's and, a good choice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you don't like that episode, there's a good chance you may not like the rest of the series. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So the first time I tried doing this uh, was uh, about a month ago. I think I did, uh, I did season one of the office and uh, there was surprisingly just out of the six episodes, there's three uh, solid gambling references there. And I made it through season two. And while I, while I didn't find a gambling reference through the, tw the first 21 episodes of the season, of course, episode 22 is one big gambling reference in that it is called Casino Nights. Yep. Uh, it, uh, for, for no one, if you've never seen The Office, which I would find, like, I understand that people don't like The Office necessarily. Not everything's for everybody. But if you've never seen an episode of The Office, I would be surprised because I think it's more popular now than it was when it was even on the air. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that Casino Night is uh, one of the more enjoyable episodes. Yes, I agree. 
so for a little bit of reference, uh, this came out in May, uh, May 11, 2006 is when this episode uh, would have aired. It is the season finale of episode or of season two. Uh, don't worry, there's no spoiler. Uh, there's no spoilers here because the the storyline in this episode that most viewers care about, uh, we're not talking about because we're talking about the gambling references, which is really the B story to what ends up being the A story uh, that everybody really cares about in that episode. Yeah. Um, but there, I have, uh, I would say about a dozen or more timestamps of notes here. So uh, there's plenty to get through. The Scranton Business Park is hosting a casino night. And uh, that's how the episode starts. Top of the episode, uh, uh, Michael Scott, played by Steve Carell, by the way, who never won an Emmy for that performance. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, if you want to talk about Emmys, I could go on and on. But the thing, I'll just bring one up right here. Jason Alexander, yeah. who played George Costanza on Seinfeld, he was the only one of the four main characters that did not win an Emmy for his role in that show. Yeah. So when you think about that, Jerry Seinfeld won an Emmy for Best Actor in a comedy series. And even Jerry Seinfeld would agree that's a crime because <laughs> yeah. he doesn't consider himself, himself a good actor. And Jason Alexander was so un- incredibly good as George Costanza. So Emmys, yeah, you know, whatever. You're right. The Emmy thing. Um, I think, it, I think it can matter for when you're recommending something, but uh, yeah, you're right on the other side, like not having an Emmy doesn't mean anything. Right. Uh, yeah. And he did, he did okay. Uh, post office without winning an Emmy. <laughs> Steve Carell did. <laughs> I mean, he did pretty good dirt. I mean, 40, 40 year old version came, uh, version came out. Uh, I want to say the beginning of season two or some of the yeah, office. So, right. Yeah. So um, he opens the, he t- at the top of this episode, he talks about how they're going to have a casino night at uh, timestamp uh, 110. Uh, Pam opens up and says that she believes she is a roulette expert. So what's the deal? We got to pay for our own drinks. That's lame. Come on. It'll be fun. And besides, I'm a roulette expert. Impossible. Roulette is not a game of skill. It is a game of chance. I could always kind of win at roulette. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How would you do that? Mind control. You can't be serious. Uh, Dwight quickly corrects her uh, that it is a game of chance, uh, not of skill. And then, of course, uh, Jim goes on to just simply mess with Dwight. Um, I, I, if you were to give me a um, – what's the right way to say this? Mark, if I was to tell you, hey, this, this sitcom uh, that you're familiar with is going to do a casino night, what game gets referenced first? I think roulette is not a favorite, right? Like roulette – or maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah, uh, you know, that's a good question. I mean, when this came out, it was kind of still during the poker boom. Yeah. A little bit, or at least towards the end of it. Yeah. The initial, you know, after uh, Chris Moneymaker won the World Series of Poker. So, I don't know, po- poker might have been at the forefront. But for the gag, you know, that comes after, you know, Jim talking about roulette, too. Yeah. Uh, th- I mean, that's the perfect game to have brought up for the gag that then follows where they're messing with Dwight. That's true. Cause Jim talks about how he uh, also can win at roulette, but through mind control, not through anything else. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> uh, yes. Um, uh, minute f- uh, four, um, four thirty-five. charity bets. They uh, <laughs> apparently uh, the winner of the, the person who has the most trips at the end of the night for casino night gets to select a charity that will receive $500. And uh, I love that uh, that there is a charity bet 
in this episode, essentially. Charity bets are uh, a good co- good for everybody. However, Angela does not like the idea of donating gamble money to charity, right. uh, which is uh, really good writing uh, for her character. I mean, it's, it's that, that, that little talking head doesn't need to exist, but it's so good for, for her character right there. Yep. Um, uh, minutes st- stop me if I'm cruising by anything that maybe you picked up that, uh, uh yeah, you're doing, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I'm looking at some okay. notes I took too. So, uh, minute 820, Michael claims that there are fire eaters all over the place in Vegas. <laughs> Mark, you've been to Vegas a lot more than I have. You definitely predate me in vis- uh, Vegas visits. I don't know. I've seen one, uh, fire eater. I'm sure they exist. I mean, they're definitely a, um, uh, they're definitely something that Vegas would have. But have you ever seen a fire eater in Vegas? No, I'm trying to think, uh, you know, was there a show called Just Fire Eaters once? That kind of sounds vaguely familiar, but maybe I'm wrong. No, I can't really think of any fire eaters that are all over Vegas. Yeah, all over the place in Vegas. <laughs> ah, look out. <laughs> yeah, right. No, but... My dog is very excited about something, apparently um i don't now that i think about it i'm not sure i'm uh, driver hush driver it's been a long time how since he's made an appearance on the podcast oh you're a good boy mm-hmm. it's a good boy driver we hear something that we need to address apparently um so i but i don't know if i've ever uh seen that fire eater at all in person maybe i went to the circus once and they had one but uh i feel like it's something i ever really always see on tv but i've never seen in real life yeah i'm trying to think too now that you actually say it yeah, maybe at the circus a long time ago, but but certainly not like street performers or things like that in Vegas. No. Yeah. Uh, so in this in this exercise of finding gambling casino Vegas references, I told myself like not to find implied gambling or inherent risk. Right. Like um, like in the movie Road Trip where they decide they're gonna they're gonna jump the car over this like gap. Like that's a gamble, but it's not gambling, right? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but course. the one thing I did want to note in this, because the theme of the episode, uh, Michael Scott ends up inviting two dates uh, to Casino Night. He ends up inviting both uh, Jan and Carol. And uh, while it's not really a gambling reference, I actually wondered if this was, if that was part of the theme or just a coincidence because it is kind of like his, this own sort of risk or gamble uh inside of like what he uh, of his dating life i don't know maybe i'm reaching for that one but. yeah i think you might be reaching i think this is you can just write this off to a tv trope that goes back i think greg brady had two dates one night on the brady bunch it's pretty typical of uh, yeah uh, sitcoms to do that but uh yeah in at least in this case you know the way they did it he really did kind of back himself into a corner in other words he he really had no choice but to invite both of them uh the way that it, it worked out with all the phone calls going back and forth yeah yes um and just a note to carol please. the woman who plays carol is uh, nancy walls who is a comedian and she is uh, steve carell's real life wife yes Minute 13, 15, we finally enter the casino. So about halfway into the, into the episode, we finally get into the casino. Um, there's a quick display of casino games, and then it's, it's real quick. But, and I don't think I've, again, I don't think I've noticed this until I was really paying attention for uh, uh, gambling-specific things. Pam hits a roulette number. Like the, the, uh, at, they go, like they show some shuffle up and deal, then they show a roulette table. And then her and um, 
Oh, goodness. What's her fiance's name? Why can't I think Roy? of it? Roy. Her and Roy quickly clap as she wins right in front of a roulette before they pan to something else that's happening. So uh, she claimed at the top of the episode that she is good at roulettes. <laughs> and uh, we, we only have, we have a small sample size of one spin to prove that she might be right. Very good. The show delivered. That's right. Uh, minute 1422, the first instance of Creed stealing chips at a table. Uh, Creed is, is not clever at all about how he steals the chips either. Uh, and how, every time they show him stealing chips, he's just like, he like points somewhere for someone to look and just, just grabs their chips. Well, he gets and, away with it every time. Every time. Even like when pe- like dealers would look at him, Angela yeah. would catch him. No one's calling him out on it. It's like, whatever, Creed. Uh, but this made me think of, and I think this is a, uh, there was an episode of Las Vegas, which is uh, an interesting show all in itself. Um, they cover, the, the show Las Vegas, you ever seen this show? I'm sure you Oh, seen yeah, it. sure. Yeah, you have- and in fact, on E! Entertainment Television, um, they're running marathons of it currently. It starts oh. at like three in the morning. They'll show like seven or eight episodes. So. Are you up at three in the morning to start watching? No, but okay. you know, we have DVRs, <laughs> so there you yeah. go. So the one thing I like about the show Las Vegas is a lot of this, their stories are based on like true Vegas lore. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of those things being, uh, I think there was, an, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it came from this show. There was an episode where a guy would cheers uh, like for good luck, someone's stack of chips with his drink, be like cheers. And he would tap their, their, their stack of chips and the top, and he had something sticky on the bottom of yeah. his chip or on the bottom of his glass. And so the, yeah. uh, the top chip would stick and it was how he was stealing, uh, how he was stealing chips. And for some, it, it, the Creed stealing chips made me think of that. And like Creed, Creed doesn't need some clever device. He just needs to distract <laughs> you real quick and just grab your chips. <laughs> and w- at one point I don't have any more uh, Creed stealing chips notes, but at one point he's at the roulette table and just reaches across the wheel and grabs a whole stack of chips. Yeah. A stack of the dealer's chips. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Creed, uh, dark horse for best character on The Office. Uh, he is such a great character. He's so despicable. And the, the funny thing is he's played by uh, Creed, uh, Creed Bratton is his real name, the actor's name. And you find out he was actually a member of the Grassroots, the yep. rock band, the Grassroots back in the day. You find out through watching The Office that he's actually playing himself. Yeah, it's like he it's Creed Pratton. He was in the grassroots and now he's working at Dunder Mifflin. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, imagine uh, imagine being a writer in that writer's room and realizing we don't need to make up this character. We just need to talk to him for a few hours every uh, every week. And then we have this we have the 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 plot of the next, uh, you know, Creed's uh, B story or whatever it may be. Um, By the way, he. if anybody enjoys this, I cannot, uh, if anybody enjoys the office, I cannot recommend the podcast office ladies enough. Uh, it is uh, a delight to listen to. And early on they have Creed on and he talks about being on the show and stuff. It's really cool. <laughs> uh, minute Mark 1510. Uh, Michael Scott calls his casino Monte Carlo. And the only reason why I have this noted down is this is where I was kind of hoping uh, you, you and Dr. Mike way back in the day used to deal at these casino parties, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. What? Starting in uh, probably around our college age, it was, we had a friend who worked for them just, you know, again, it was all part-time, all the dealers. It was right. just more of a fun thing to do at nights. And he's, he said to me, Mike, Hey, this is, might be something you're interested in. 
were the casino nights ever named? Like, did people like name their little play casino? It's a, it's a, it's a silly question, but for some reason, it, it, I, I'm curious. Uh, not really. Now, you know, the name of the company was Casino Nights with a K. Nights with a K, kind of <laughs> like Golden Nights, right? So, yeah. Casino Nights, and there was, you know, like some armor in the logo. Um, no, you know, not really. I mean, it was a uh, usual was like corporate things. Uh, you know, or holiday parties, things like that. But no, they never ever really called it anything other than, you know, a casino party or gambling party, something like that. Gotcha. Uh, Monte Carlo. So here's something. So it kind of surprised me. I'm assuming that Michael named the event. Like he seems really invested in this event. Maybe he didn't. Maybe maybe the people putting on the party helped him. Maybe they did that. Maybe they created a theme or whatever. But like it made me wonder, like, does Michael Scott know what the Monte Carlo Casino is? Maybe he's seen Bond movies. He seems like a guy who watches James Bond. Maybe that's where he would know the reference. Uh, but if, uh, of course, I'm thinking a little too much into the character here. But uh, when, he, when he says, welcome to Monte Carlo, I was like, if you named the event, do you actually know what Monte Carlo is? Yeah, Michael would have known. You know, you think even so? though he was pretty inept and stupid in a lot of ways, I'm sure. Yeah, and it could have been from James Bond. Um, yeah, he would have picked up on that. That's I, true. I'll, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give him that. <laughs> okay. Very, <laughs> very good. Uh, minute fifteen forty six. Michael finally sits down to play some poker. This is the uh, first bit of action we actually see in the casino. Okay, the game is No Limit Texas Hold'em. Good luck, everybody. That's at least four red chips to you, sir. All in. Yeah. Bluffing is a key part of poker, which is too bad, because I'm not very good at bluffing. Did you believe me? Oh. I'll call. What are... That's insane. I have good cards. Well, Toby, I went all in on the first hand, so doesn't that tell you that I might have good cards, too? So don't be stupid. Just take it back. Oh, I'm sorry, he can't, sir. He's gone all in. Okay, well, right, whatever. Flip him. You really screwed that up. Wow. I don't really play cards, but I'm not going to lie to you. It felt really good to take money from Michael. Gonna chase that feeling. It's no limit, Texas Hold'em. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Toby wakes up with a, with a pair of jacks. Michael goes all in. Here's what I thought was interesting. The dealer says four red chips to you, sir. Like yeah. there's no dollar amount. It's it's yeah. color chip <laughs> and number of chips. And I was wondering, as casino dealers, do you think is that accurate at all? Like, is it? Was, did you ever find yourself just referencing? the chip colors versus the denomination when playing with people who maybe not be gamblers. Yeah, no, we, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have said that. We would have said $20, even though we're playing for play money, which it seemed like they were doing in this casino night as well. Even though it's all play money, we would still assign, you know, dollar values to the chips. Right. So no, we would say, yeah, $20 to you. Okay. At, at least in, in our uh, experience dealing. Yeah. 
So uh, Michael is upset when, when Toby calls his all in. Michael mucks his hand. We never get to see what he has. Uh, right. cl- clearly he has trash uh, and, and feels embarrassed about it. But this mucks his hand. But then I love the talking head when they go to Toby and Toby says, it felt really good to take money from Michael. I'm going to chase that feeling. <laughs> and I'll tell you, Michael's reaction to Toby going all in is you really get a sense of what Michael is like. He's yeah. mad. It doesn't matter that Toby had a good hand. Right. He's mad because he went all in. And of course, when somebody goes all in, you don't call them, especially if it's the very first hand. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's, that really speaks to Michael's character. I think that, uh, you know, Toby's comment of it felt really good to take money from Michael. I think we all, at, at even at some point in our lives of playing home games or whatever it may be, whether it's a friendly wager or a not-so-friendly wager with somebody, it feels so good when you win some type of wager against someone who might be an adversary. <laughs> right. Oh, and, my goodness. You know, if you'd never seen another episode of The Office, you'd still understand that because at the beginning of the episode, Michael is really hard on Toby in front of everybody, he insults him. And right. so, yeah, it's payback. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, minute 1650, we go to a new poker table where Jim fakes a tell of coughing and gets <laughs> Dwight out of each hand by doing so. I expect to do very well tonight. I have an acute ability to read people. Jim, for instance, has a huge tell. When he gets a good hand, he coughs. <coughs> uh, I will read. It's the weirdest thing. Every time I cough, he folds. Uh, have you ever faked a tell? Have you ever tried to get... Uh, this is something that I think novice poker players do. Right? Yeah, but, too- you know, maybe when I first started playing. You yeah. know, you, it's kind of like, oh, gosh, should I call? Or, uh, I don't know. You know, like you're thinking so long. And it's yeah. like, oh, he's going to call. He's got a huge hand, right? You so- make some comment like, oh, I guess I'll pay to see the river. Like, you don't have some awesome <laughs> hand already. stupid, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty common with novice players. I try not to do anything like that these days. Yeah. Uh, it's such a great um, – I, I love – look, the, the pranks that Jim plays on Dwight in the cold opens or otherwise are really clever and always fun. But I, I especially like these in-episode moments where he just, like, just for a brief second does something to kind of get the best of Dwight, right? To get the, and, mm-hmm. and I think that it's, uh, it's really great writing and, and it – something that makes that dynamic uh, a lot of fun. Uh, probably my favorite scene of the episode, minute 1820, Dwight is playing craps. Give me the dice. Come on, Dwight. Let's go. It's on you, baby. Let's go. Good evening, go. Dwight. What is this? Good evening, Angela. This is craps. I need to roll an eight. If I do, everyone wins. Yes. Then roll an eight. All right. Thank you, Angela. Good luck, Dwight. Dwight, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Let's Let go. it ride. Let it all ride. Give me the dice. Angela comes up and he's like, uh, what are you doing? He's like, this is craps. And uh, he's like, if I hit an eight, everybody wins. Uh, he rolls. He gets the eight. 
He cheers. He kisses Angela on the cheek. Angela slaps him. Uh, and then she storms off. And I thought, and I was thinking there, and like, you could see like, <laughs> what a rush for Dwight Schrute, right? Like, <laughs> well, and they're both smiling, right? Yeah. Even when she's walking away, you can see, you know, that she got a little turned on by all that. <laughs> yeah. But I love his, like, like this, it's such a great, like, that's like a better moment right there, right? Like yeah. you hit your craps point, you kiss your girl. She put like, she hits you like out of fun. And it's like, oh, what a rush. Um, but I have to say <laughs> with the way that he described craps when she walked up and how confidently he threw those dice i'm gonna say that dwight's a crafts player okay yeah yeah okay let's go with that <laughs> yeah like, i, I he don't certainly think... knew the game he, yeah you knew what he had to roll so exactly yeah like he he i felt like he was confident enough to where like he's probably not you know i can't imagine dwight who uh his beet farm only has one bathroom under the porch uh i don't think that he's making trips out to vegas i'm just saying i think uh you know maybe he's that maybe he's uh, someone who likes playing craps yeah i think i think you're right uh, minute 1850, we go to a new poker table uh, where it's heads up action between Pam and Jim. Uh, fun fact, Jenna Fisher actually is a poker player. Uh, she is someone who has actually pl uh, plays poker uh, in real life. She's told a story on Office Ladies about how, uh, I want to say she went to Scotland or Ireland, uh, somewhere in the UK, and uh, be she, her and her husband wanted to overcome their jet lag so they decided to find something that would keep them up long enough uh so they wouldn't go to bed too early they find a poker tournament and they end up staying up all night because she wins the tournament uh <laughs> so yeah great uh, uh great story from jenna fisher there but actually a poker player uh after a flirty back and forth uh uh pam takes down uh the hand with a straight Minute 2040, new craft scene with Michael now as a shooter. The point is four. Carol and Jan, his two dates, are both at the table. All right. Point is four. Shooter, roll it. Four. Come on, shooter. Four. Four. Shooter. No. Blow for luck. Shooter. Yeah. Also, you not playing favorites. All right. Here we go. All right. Yeah. Five. So close. Come on. Michael has both ladies blow on the dice for luck. <laughs> now, I remember when The Office first came out, and, and like when, when I mean it first came out, when it was still in its first few seasons, right? Like when this, when this would have been uh, on air. Everybody described The Office as like a show of awkward moments, right? Like so many people described it as like an office setting and there's all these awkward moments. And yeah. now that now I, I've seen... I've probably seen uh, my favorite episodes of the series probably upwards of 50 times, right? So, like, it's never, it's not awkward for me as much anymore as it was the first time <laughs> right. I see it. But sure. when every time I watch Casino Night, when Michael lets Carol blow on his dice and then goes to shoot and then pauses and then puts the dice in front of Jan's face, like, not playing favorites, yeah. it's, it's awkward to me every time. Uh, and it made me think, Mark, with, Current situation, even after we're on the other side of this uh, dilemma, I'll call I'll, I'll be kind of just simply called a dilemma. Is blowing on dice ever going to be acceptable at a at a dice table anymore? Yeah, um, I think so. Sure, you think so. I mean, I, yeah. I, okay. You know, it's it's so hard to say once we get past all this habits that we're we will have broken or what we're going to be doing again, or what's the next generation that didn't, you know, live through this. But, but yeah, I, I think we'll be blowing on dice again. Yeah. Do you, okay. So I, I agree that I think that the, 
house will allow it, right? I don't think, like, I, I can't imagine a dealer saying, sir, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but do you think that the social, I mean, I guess if you're there, you're cosplayers, if you're cosplayers, you're into the traditions and the superstitions. See, I can see maybe the other players uh, playing along. It's actually, have you, ever, have you ever had your wife or, I mean, you know, maybe there's a story involving another woman. Have you ever had, have you ever done this before? Have you ever had someone blowing your dice before you rolled them? Gosh, I don't think so. No, I don't think that that's, um a habit that I ever got into or never had Dr. Yeah, Mike on the dice real quick. <laughs> no, for sure. Not that, but I'm trying to think if I've ever, yeah, you know, kind of had my wife blow on the dice. No, it's not really ever been my thing. I don't think I've ever done it or, or given it to somebody to blow on. I actually have, it's on my marital, uh, marital bucket list. I told my wife oh. that at some point in my life, I want her to, uh, to blow on the dice before, before I rule them. But, uh, she has to be wearing heels and, and fire, fire truck, li- uh, red lipstick. Uh, before oh, all right. So, I'll yeah. put that on my list then too. Don't <laughs> tell your wife. Uh, I don't think the better wife listens to this show. That's probably a good thing. Okay. Uh, 1850. Oh, we already did that one. Uh, oh yeah. My wife doesn't either. I mean, to my show. Uh, <laughs> that's fine though. Uh, oh yeah. So he, he rolls. So when Michael uh, rolls the dice after then, after uh, having the ladies blow on them, he rolls a five, and the table's disappointed. And that is uh, like, like I don't like I'm not upset because like I enjoy almost every crap scene that I see in a show or, or a movie. But I was kind of like, ah, that's not like that's not actually how people would, like. I I know that ever maybe newbies maybe newbies would be upset that something that wasn't the point got rolled. But like craps players would not be disappointed that something that wasn't a seven was rolled. Right. Yeah. And there's nothing technically wrong with the scene because it's not like the dealers start collecting the bets as if that were a loser. Right. Um, but yeah, you're right. The reaction of the players is maybe a little too much for a number that's really inconsequential. Yeah. Uh, minutes uh, 2115. Uh, we go to another, we go to uh, one more poker table. We learned that Kevin is a bracelet winner of uh, No Limit Deuce of Seven Draw in Las Vegas. Yeah, he's good at poker, he says. I won the 2002 $2,500 No Limit Deuce to Seven Draw tournament at the World Series of Poker in Vegas. So, yeah, I'm pretty good at poker. All in. Okay, let's do it. Good luck, honey. Oh, thank you, Bobby, but it doesn't matter. It's just fun to play. Three queens. Nice. Very nice. I have, I have an ace. No, that's a flush. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, I have a flush. Yes. Look, I won. Look, I have all the clovers. You want to play again? I suck. Uh, he ends up playing with Phyllis, who goes all in with him because she likes her ace. Uh, Kevin flips over queens, and then the table realizes that Phyllis actually has a flush. Uh, which yeah. is a little bit better than the ace that she was really proud of. Uh, which yeah, is- that's when she turns over. Oh, I've got an ace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, you've got a flush. <laughs> and it was just, a, it was a fun reminder uh, that being good at poker cannot beat dumb luck. Uh, you know, it doesn't well, matter how and- good you are. If someone gets uh, dumb luck, uh, you're not going to beat that. And I'll tell you, just the fact that we find out that Kevin is a bracelet winner, that is absolutely fantastic. Yes. He's got the bracelet on at the table. <laughs> yes. And what I love, too, is that, uh, you know, this is deuce to seven. No limit deuce to seven draw. It's a low game. It really is a game. Uh, amongst poker players, it's very well respected. Kind of like, yeah, this is really for real poker players, yeah. this game. And the fact that the writers, you know, knew enough to include that, I thought that was great. I decided to look up too for 2002. 
there was no $2,500 event that year, which is what Kevin claimed to have won, hmm. the $2,500 deuce to seven draw. But there was a $1,500 event and a $5,000 event. So it's a real event. I'm going to guess that Kevin Malone wasn't actually the winner uh, in those uh, instances. No, I, yeah, I didn't see his name. Uh, that would be pretty meta. If the, if, the, <laughs> yeah, if, really? if, if the winner's name was actually Kevin Malone. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Um, one thing. So I think so I regret not writing into, cause I, I have to look at where I am on the podcast on office ladies. I think I've already missed my opportunity to send in this question, but uh, yeah. Cause I, Oh, safety training just came out, which I think is the, is an episode where, there's just a bunch of gambling happening inside the, inside the office, right? They're betting on who, who comes out of the elevator first. They're betting on, you know, yeah, right. a, a number of different events. And I, I've always wondered, and I'm, I'm looking forward to reading this because I want to know, like, there is, there are gambling references in this show that I feel like come from an inherent gambler. And uh, like, not a degenerate, not an AP, right? Nothing like that. But like you said, like deuce to seven draw, maybe someone had the idea, hey, maybe Kevin's a bracelet winner and they found like the most, they found the, like the one that they thought was the most interesting sounding, right? Maybe they went that route. Um, but the number of poker references that are made through this whole series, the fact that they, like they, they referenced Kevin being a gambler multiple times in the series, right? There's even, there, um, there's an episode where Michael's trying to get out of debt and he walks up to Kevin and he's like, Hey, uh, do you know like a for sure thing that I can, <laughs> I can get on? Um, and so they, they establish Kevin as being a gambler. They make plenty of references. Uh, I am genuinely curious where the gambling uh, is inspired in that writer's room. If it's something that just sort of um, just maybe people just knew enough or if there was inherently a gambler uh, right there inside that writer's room. Let me find out that Mindy Kaling is a, uh, is a gambler. Um, I, my, my, my day will be made, but. Um. <laughs> well, you, you know, I, I would guess that there was a fair amount of knowledge in the writer's room because there's really nothing wrong with the episode. Yeah. You know, usually when you're looking at a casino episode, Again, you're saying, oh, the, the chips are in the wrong spot or no, that doesn't make any sense the way that the betting went. And there really wasn't any, any error that I could see in this episode. Yep, exactly right. Uh, the last note that I have, minute 2340, we learned that Creed is, in fact, the chip leader for the night, uh, presumably by stealing all of his chips. When his name is called, he, like, jiggles his arm for all the chips to fall out of his sleeve, uh, and he is awarded his refrigerator that he claims he's never owned before. So uh, He picks it up so fast and leaves with it. It's yeah. <laughs> uh, and that, uh, that's all the notes that I have. Do you have anything else that I haven't written down here? You know, the only other thing I'd say, and I think this happened right after Michael went all in and lost to Toby. Uh, he's talking, I think, to Carol, and she's consoling. I'm sorry you lost. And Michael says, if luck weren't involved, I would always be winning. <laughs> and that is a reference to a Phil Hellmuth quote, which oh. he's had said several times. Where Helmuth, when he, you know, gets a bad beat, and people who know Helmuth, he's a hothead at the table. Yeah. And he'll say that, boy, if luck weren't involved, I'd win every tournament. You know, he goes storming off. He said something like that, you know, more than once. So Holy I think smokes. that's what that's, think that's a, a, a do we think Do we think that's a callback? Because that, that that's got to be a callback. That is even more evidence that someone in the writer's room was a player. 
like, as, a, as a gamer, right? Like that's, that is a pretty specific reference to be making by, from someone who's simply looking up some things about poker to write into the episode. Uh, who, so who wrote this episode? I, uh, uh, Steve Carell. Steve Carell uh, wrote the episode. Steve Carell. There we go. Yeah. Season two, episode 22, Casino Nights. Uh, I had this uh, season sort of uh, on over the past couple of days, passively watching. I didn't pick up any other gambling uh, references. So I think this is it uh, for season two. If you're not into The Office, uh, hopefully this was an, <laughs> hopefully these, uh, uh, these, these comments and these references uh, were still entertaining. Uh, if you have never watched The Office, goodness sake, just watch one episode. Uh, give it give it a little bit of a chance because, uh, like I said, I think it's even more popular now than it was even when it was uh, airing. Uh, that's how much... Um, how many? How much uh, fame it has now? I don't know what's gonna be next week. We'll pr- I'll probably go through season three of the of the Office, and then maybe we'll do Pool Hall Junkies next next week. Okay, no, not next yeah, week, but next time. Good. Yeah, next uh, time. Yeah, yeah, next time. So, uh, Mark, this was this was fun. I enjoyed this. Yes, yes uh, I hope that listeners enjoyed it as well. Yeah, again, if you haven't seen the Office, maybe not so. But uh, yeah, this was a great episode to, uh, you know, that had just tons of gambling in it. And it was fun to talk about. By the way, I, I, didn't, I meant to bring this up at the, at the top of our conversation. Part of the reason why I, uh, I, I asked you first if you wanted to, to come on to do this with me is uh, I, I know how much you enjoy television. Uh, yeah, and I figured, uh, yeah. I was like, if there's anybody who not only could have this conversation with me, but would be excited to have this conversation with yeah. me, it's probably Mark Duvall. Yeah. yeah, I've told people that if I hadn't ended up doing a gambling podcast, it might have been a TV podcast. So this has been great. Uh, very good. Well, Mark, we will do this again in roughly four weeks. Sounds good. Thanks, Tim. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed that. I am curious what your feedback is regarding uh, this episode or this type of episode and then also the, uh, the Travel Better episode uh, that I do with Adam. Um, if you're sort of unsure, don't worry about it. Uh, so am I. So <laughs> uh, give it a couple more. Uh, I, I told both uh, Adam and Mark that I'd like to do, these for, do at least three uh, of these to see how I feel, see the direction they're going in, and then make a decision there. But I definitely want people's feedback on if you enjoyed it. Uh, you know, maybe if there's a direction you think it could go in to provide more value. If there's if there's questions or topics inside these discussions that we're not bringing up that you think uh, are clearly there and we're just not seeing them, please tell me. Uh, something else I've been doing on Instagram for those uh, that like to bet the sports ball. Uh, I've been posting uh, via Insta Stories uh, the prop bets that I'm betting. Uh, in these uh, baseball games, I'm going to do it with the primetime NFL games as well. So Thursday night, Sunday night, and Monday night football. Uh, so I'll do it for the, the next how many ever games there are of the World Series and then continue through primetime NFL uh, to the end of the season there. Probably not going to do what I'm doing in soccer because uh, on any given day I could have a few plays. I could have uh, <laughs> up to 30 or 40 uh, over the course of a uh, big weekends. One of the things I love the most about betting soccer is goodness gracious, there's a lot of it. Uh, at the Better Life on Instagram for there. And uh, if Instagram's not your deal and for some reason not following me on Twitter, that is also the handle on Twitter.
And I think that's it. I think that does it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, it really does mean a lot to me that in this time where people are listening to podcasts a little bit less and they're not listening to podcasts because they're starting their own podcasts. Uh, I do appreciate you spending your time with me. Uh, I hope everybody is uh, being safe if you're going to the casino. I hope you're winning your, your bets if you're getting action down on, uh, on the sports going on. On behalf of Mark Duvall, I am Timothy Lawson. Good night! And good luck.